Did you plan your summer vacation yet? This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the focus group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are the focus group here every Wednesday through our social media feed at Facebook Live or YouTube. And you can find all of our programming, including our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned, at focusgroupradio.com. You can download all of our video and audio casts there. So uh, thanks, everybody, for doing that. Thanks to our friends at Deep Discount, who sponsor us each week as well. You'll see a list of our sponsors on the right-hand side at our website. And you can click on them and start shopping away so we get credit, and we appreciate it, and they do too, of course. So we're in our last uh, last week of June Pride, I guess, John, or June. Well, it's the week that we pack up the leprechaun. He says, right. top of the pride to you for the last time until next June, folks. Yeah, we get, we get, uh, and we get slapped with a, the prospect after women's equality for uh, whether they can do what they want with their bodies regarding birth. Um, the thought that maybe some rights that uh, were given to the LGBT community around same-sex marriage may go away. Or at yeah. least they say they won't, but they also didn't think Roe v. Wade would, be, would go away either, did, did they? Well, yeah. And, and I think the court has clearly signaled, and you know, as of Monday, they also passed down another ruling about a coach who would kneel on the field and pray after a game. Now, he didn't force his students to do it, but again, I don't remember this in school when I was a kid. I don't remember any of this stuff. We, we, when we went to church, it was different from school, right? <laughs> well, you know, there's separation at a public school, of course, or it should be. I wonder how they would feel if you brought out a prayer mat. Oh, well, if, if, or if it was a different religion entirely. That's what I mean, and, right? Um, if you brought out a little prayer mat and did, a, did, a, did an homage to, to Allah, mm-hmm. yep. they'd probably go crazy. Well, you know they would. Now... You before we, we we started the broadcast, you said that you had just called up a list of states that uh, would um, automatically uh, rescind LGBT you know, gay marriage if it uh, if the Supreme Court knocked down the right. And you said some of them were surprising. Well, yeah. Well, they all said so. Similar to Roe v. Wade, it triggered a number of states to immediately they you know the they, they had hairpins coming out of their ass. Some of these Republican governors to get to the state houses to uh, enact these uh, bans on on. Uh, on abortion. And so then somebody had put together, this came from, uh, I believe it was, well, it was, it was from the Compass website, but they listed the states that currently have um, constitutional amendments against marriage equality or same-sex marriage or marriage equality. And they said these would immediately be triggered if the similar thing happened. If there was a case that went before the Supreme Court and the states challenged these 30 states could um, immediately enact it, similar to what they've done with the abortion um, the abortion issue. And the states are, uh, so these are um, states that would be able to immediately ban marriage or have currently have and have not repealed um, same-sex marriage bans. So Hawaii, Alaska, Mississippi. Uh, is Hawaii surprising to you? Yes. Okay. They have a constitutional amendment. Um, they do have they, they do have the issue to reserve. So Hawaii says that we reserve the right to oppose it. So it's not as strict, but it is certainly there. Um, that was far as, as far back as 1998. 
Alaska, no surprise. Mississippi, certainly no surprise. What are they, 49th and 50th and everything? <laughs> Um, yeah, a lot of things, yeah. Missis, uh, Missouri, no surprise. Montana. This was a surprise, Oregon. Uh, mm. Oregon's on the list, and uh, that ban took uh, took hold in 2004. Colorado. Wow. I think that's a surprise. Only, mar- the, only a marriage between one man and one woman shall be valid. Uh, Tennessee, no surprise. Arizona. California. They even though that prop uh, what was it prop eight yeah uh, th- th- there is still a ban though that says only marriage between a man and a woman is valid or recognized in California, two thousand eight Nebraska Arkansas no surprise Georgia no surprise Kentucky Louisiana all the welfare states North Dakota uh, Ohio no surprise Oklahoma Utah Kansas Texas oh surprise Alabama another rat hole Idaho. Um, South Carolina, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Florida, North Carolina, Michigan, Virginia, and uh, Nevada is the only state that repealed it. So of all the 30 states that had amendments in 2020, Nevada actually repealed it. So it's 29 states. I'm really kind of surprised by some of those states because they also are home to some very large LGBTQ plus communities, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Florida. Florida is not exactly, you know, you have Fort Lauderdale, South Beach. You have a lot of, well, yeah. Hey, did I mention Florida? I don't think I did. You said Florida, yeah. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Florida was at the bottom. Florida, yep. Wow. So there's uh, a lot. So um, thankfully, <laughs> the states, other than I used to live in Oregon, but um, places like Minnesota, where I lived, or Illinois, um, Pennsylvania does not have a ban. None of New England does. Delaware does not. Maryland does not. We're two so different countries. My vacation planning is becoming a lot easier. <laughs> exactly. uh, apparently, I can fly across the pond and visit some of our very um, forward-thinking European neighbors and friends. I could hop over the entire country and go to California, right? Yeah. But the world's become a lot smaller depending on who you are. You know, we talked about this a little bit on Unbuttoned on Tuesday about, um, you know, Alito claiming, and, and Kavanaugh, a bunch of them actually put in their consenting opinions about overturning Roe v. Wade that this had no effect on mm-hmm. other rights, even though Clarence Thomas went out of his way to say, by the way. And, you know, I wonder if, if he's actually doing us a favor saying, get this legislated at the federal level, because philosoph- philosophically, the court has always opposed being the arbiter of this. But, you know, the way our system works, if they have to be the final decider and they give, they, I don't know. It's- well, they've been apolitical. You know, there's certain justices that had been appointed by conservative presidents that ended up being suitor. You know, uh, Roberts ended up actually being far, probably far more liberal than, uh, yep. than the Republicans would have liked, but, or at least sane. And, and it used to be, that's the sad thing I think is what happened here with, with, uh, another train wreck of Trump's, uh, presidency is that the, the Supreme court has become political yep. and they never, it was one of the last bastions where we thought you could get a fear, a fair hearing. Or at least when you got the decision, you basically said to yourself, this is coming from a group of impartial people, so we'll follow it. But you can't say that now, can you? Right, and fact-based and everything else. And now, no. Particularly when you have Clarence Thomas's wife with the foil helmet on, you know, very much a part of the insurrection, right? I mean, mean, the kind of helmet my dad used to wear? Yeah. (laughs) 
with the oranges. Did you have the helmet? Did you ever? You should make one. No, I, there's I mean, a guy in Philadelphia foil. that would walk around with a tinfoil of a hat, a little <laughs> horn on it. Hey, so. I don't know if you heard this or not. I now have to find the article that came up, and I, I should search for it. But I read an article that stated that a, a former clerk of Clarence Thomas once said that he overheard or he directly heard Clarence Thomas saying, liberals made my life a hell for 43 years. I'm going to make their life a hell for 43 years. I'll get you now, but I'll get you. Get you. So <laughs> when you hear that and you look at what's happening, do you say to yourself, is this someone who's actually, you know, judging from the bench or is it vendetta? Is it vendetta, you know, vendetta justice, right? Yeah. Well, but wasn't it always a joke with him that he never, ever took an opinion on anything for a long time? Yes. Yeah. He never opened his mouth, right? He never said Well, for many, many years until COVID, he um, he never asked questions from the bench. Right. So it's, you know, just such an odd thing. But it, it's such an odd time we live in. And I, I've had this argument with a number, argument, discussion argument, but uh, we really are uh, two different countries. And it's sad because it's particularly with these latest rulings, it's going to create a lot of turmoil between states and uh, make things even more contentious than they already are, which is sad. Well, well, here's, here's an article that I, here's an argument from an article I read in the Atlantic. If you take religion out of it, which you should, and you go to the public square and you say, biologically, when does, you know, when do you say that a life is, you know, a life? And you have some people who say, well, until it can survive without the mother, which is a standard that they use in Europe, then you have people who say, well, it begins the minute of conception. How do you know? Because that's we know that because we have faith in that. Like the minute you hear the word faith come in or something like that, or I believe that, then you're not talking about science and there's no rational way to have a conversation. Because what if you actually said, we, be, you know, we agree with you that this is a life, but we also know that the mother has, there are issues, there are risks. People, it's one of the high, one of the biggest reasons women will die is from yeah. a, a pregnancy gone wrong. What if everybody agreed that the uh, cutoff that that yeah we no one really wants it but it should be available and twenty weeks or whatever the weeks are right because twenty weeks puts it firmly into the second trimester which at that point you know you're you're well on your way to, <laughs> to right. having you a made baby. the so, decision you're going to keep the child right I what think, I think you made the decision at that point you're going to keep the child unless there's some physical yeah, thing that yeah you... and 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 so i don't know it's uh well no then i read they, another religion, hilarious right. article that i read another one that made me laugh 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 it was written by a conservative who said now that we've won we need to be the party of families and the party mm. of child care you know child care and taking care of mothers and i'm like what are you kidding me have mm. you looked at the republicans and how they deal with budgets when it comes to dealing with you know child Anything. care and women and so it's Food all programs. so hypocritical. I, I do agree with somebody who said, um, and I don't know who it was, but they essentially I saw something on social media going around that said, fine, if you want to dictate that a woman needs to take a, take a baby to term for whatever reason, then have equal responsibility from the man so that that man is going to pay at least 50% of the care of that child through 18 years old. The laws would change real quick. <laughs> yeah, and that goes in line with another one that I read where someone said we should start a national data bank of DNA. Yeah. The minute you can identify a father of a child, 
that person needs to be firmly tied yeah. financially and with responsibility to that child. And then the author said the same thing you did. They said, boy, heads would spin so fast when yeah. that law changed. Yeah, no, that's that would be that would be the thing to do. And it would make, uh, I think it make the most sense. The other thing that I advocated and got people spun up about, and this relates to the marriage issue that we talked about earlier, is what Melissa Etheridge advocated years ago when it was the hodgepodge of laws for marriage equality. And she said, if you're not treating me with as a full citizen with equal benefits that everyone else has why am i paying full taxes now bingo why would i ever pay full freight yeah so i don't know how we can't get that off the ground somehow um after all the country was founded on the tea party you know taxation without representation representation, right right yeah so yeah that was the talk about wanting to make uh there was a compromise i think going around about dc wants to be a state yep but they're saying they won't do it because uh it's going to give democrats two more senators So, um, which would be great. But so then the thought was they would just collapse North and South Dakota and make that one state. Lose two. Well, just call it Dakota. Well, then you don't have to change the flag. You still have 50 stars. (laughs) Let's collapse them. Here's Dakota, which makes sense. It should be the state of Dakota. It's like, uh, you know, you've been following Herschel Walker. I mean, you don't have to follow much because whatever comes out of his mouth is insane and then he has his his crazy social media son christian who boy you gotta watch one of those tiktoks your brain will feel like it's been frozen for a day um herschel walker said something about stacy abrams if she doesn't want to be in this state because she was complaining about child care and a bunch of other things and how they could do better and he goes if she doesn't want to be here there's 52 other states she could be in (laughs) (laughs) that's trump's boy and puerto rico yeah, yeah the, um, it's Trump's boy. Yeah, I, I, I we had talked one time about Jagger, Mr. Mudry. Remember Mr. Oh. Mudry, seventh grade. So there were twenty three, twenty six kids in the class, and we had to. Everyone had to pick a state, and you had to do a report. <laughs> a on report. <laughs> and I had picked North Dakota. You did. Why? I, well, that was his mystery. He, I got called up right to the test because of all the states. Why North Dakota? He said. Is it because there's nothing to talk about there? It's a vast land of nothing. You know, I mean, he he totally had this view of North Dakota. And I said, I don't know. I just kind of like the name. <laughs> and uh, like valid. You know, valid. But th- then he got mad because we were in Connecticut. He said, nobody picked Connecticut. He said, that would have been the easiest state for any of mm-hmm. you to have done because you live here. And uh, then he used me as an example again. Oh, North Dakota. Let's learn about North Dakota today. I think all I talked about was mining. And uh, something else that they had up there in the great north. But uh, yeah, I remember that being funny. Of And why I picked North Dakota, I don't know. You'll never know. Yeah. So. Did you think Rushmore was there or something? No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wish, oh. I'd, I wish I had remembered what some of the other states people picked were. But Speaking of the Dakotas, I don't know if you saw Christy Nome's response to a reporter's question about their draconian total ban on abortion without exclusions if, if they said well what about someone who gets raped or if there's incest and her answer was my heart goes out to them but, thoughts and prayers yeah <laughs> Could you, i can't believe people get away with saying this and are not held accountable yeah. Yeah, that's crazy so on our show uh we have our caught my eye segment that we do uh do a bit we'll take a quick break we do a business birthday and then we have our shop talk which talks about the importance of vacation which is a story yep. john found which um people don't take enough of or they usually don't take their time i yell at richard about that all the time about not taking his time take your well. days take your days so uh mr nash what caught your eye this week what caught your eye here's what tim and john found 
All right. Mine is another rebranding of a famous and very popular product that got many of us through our early years after we graduated school because it used to be only 36 cents a box on sale at the supermarket. 23 cents in Ohio. Sorry, okay, so have you seen then? Um, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese is changing its name after 85 years. Now, unlike other brand changes that have occurred in terms of changing a you know, a troublesome icon or a bothersome icon like the Land O'Lakes, the Indian woman that used to be there, or, or Aunt Jemima, or Uncle Ben. This is simply, in my opinion, an acknowledgement of the market and the realities of what people actually call their product. Like, I don't know the last time someone's ever called macaroni and cheese macaroni. It's mac and cheese, mac right? Mac and cheese. So, yeah, the household staple is now called mac and cheese, which is meant to reflect the way fans organically talk about the brand. This, this is a smart thing they did. Along with the shortened name, shoppers will notice the box receiving a subtle makeover that includes a refreshed logo, new typography, and single hue blue that amplifies the brand's most recognizable asset, the noodle smile, <laughs> which I didn't know that was the most recognizable asset. Kraft said the new name and box are part of an effort to rebrand its mac and cheese as comfort food. That distinction helps it differentiate from healthier products eating up shelf space. Goodles, for example, is a Gail Godot. Now, Gail Godot played Mo the uh, Wonder Woman, uh, great actress, backed startup that sells boxed macaroni and cheese with more protein and fiber at a higher price. Banza, B-A-N-Z-A, and Annie's, I've, I've used Annie's actually, also make similar products that market themselves as more wholesome than Kraft's version. Kraft's mac and cheese affordability has also taken a hit recently. Uh-oh, dozens of its products got price hikes in recent months, including a 3.5% increase on a pack of Easy Mac and a 20% price hike for a 7.25-ounce dish of Kraft big, Kraft big Bowl macaroni and cheese. Strong demand and supply constraints and uncertainty have caused these price ranges. So what do you think of the... Um, I, I don't mind the new packaging. I think this is a very smart move that they made to dip, to really hold on to the fact that they are mac and cheese. And have you had other brands of mac and cheese before? I have. They're not as good, you know. If you bought exactly, the one. do you think it's the chemicals? <laughs> yeah, it's the chemicals. The supposed cheese, although it says no artificial flavors, preservatives, or dyes. I so I would so if I were there are a couple things if I was on the brand team here that I would have just brought up as a question. Okay, go so ahead. So a lot of people don't like blue food. You know, you don't eat blue food. So the blue box to me, although it isn't ubiquitous, that's what we remember. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not, I won't be off on that. But what does surprise me is this prominence of the noodle with the dripping mouth, almost like you're drooling. Yeah. And what I don't like is that they've got three different flavors. If you're watching the video, John has it posted there. So there's thick and creamy, original, and spirals. So why wouldn't the smile, I don't know how you would do thick and creamy direct differentiate but why isn't the spiral one with a spiral smile mm, i think that what they've done is the that mac and cheese with the noodle thing that's the lockup that's, that's it. the new logo that's it and you know what you have an interesting point as an art director i'm not sure i like that little cheese drip coming off no the it looks like somebody's drooling or they just you know it well it's kind of messy in a way mm. i don't know that i would have put that forward to a client in a in a rebrand and on the blue front you have an interesting point. You know, years and years ago, um, I talked to a friend who used to do branding for major corporations, and he he worked for a company called Landor. I think they're still here in New York. They were rebranding Maxwell House. Mm. It was a subtle change. They wanted to update the blue, and they built in their offices a fake aisle that a customer could walk down in a grocery store, and they put all these Maxwell House, <laughs> these blue 
coffee bags and they had shoppers come in and they tested what bag they picked and they actually chose the new blue based on how many people picked a particular shade of blue. I asked him how much it costs. He waved his hand. He said, I can't even tell you how crazy expensive it was. I mean, they set up a fake grocery store in their office and they manufactured all these different blues. So a lot of work goes into it, but you're yeah. noticed you, you don't like blue food, but you wouldn't necessarily mind a package for coffee. Maybe if it was Maxwell house. Well, I do, but you, no, it's exactly what you said. Maxwell House has always been blue. We, we yeah. know that's the blue can chock full of nuts is yellow, black, and red, I think. And Folgers is red. And so you know those brands that way. And Kraft Macaroni and Cheese has always been in a blue box. Yeah. But I was just wondering whether they could have made it an orange box or something. But they probably did exactly what you said. They probably set up other competitors, set up a grocery aisle, and see what, uh, what attracts yeah. you. Because so. actually, you know who does the orange or yellowish boxes? Am that Annie's the uh, organic one? Hmm. Okay. Did you, are you going to get some mac and cheese? Did it did it make you want to order? Something? I almost I feel like it to be honest with you, because you and I both jokingly said that there were days when that was dinner, and that was yeah. like what was it, thirty six cents or twenties, whatever. We would make it in college in a hot pot, and my yeah. friend uh -huh. Paul, he had it down to a science. In that, he always took one out. He took one of the noodles out. Uh huh. And then he would put it in the, uh, when it was done, he would put it in the finished product. And I would ask him why. And he goes, because when any, he goes, people come in, they want to take it from me after they know you're making it. And he goes, and if I put some raw ones in there and chew on them, they'll never ask again. <laughs> so he would always put one or two raw ones. He would save out. A ringer. So someone would say, oh, I'll have some, I'll have some. So he would hand it to them, a little cup, and he'd put in the hard one. And then they would never come back. Same with my friend Dave Ryan. We would always order pizza with olives and onions. Because we knew nobody wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, people would see the pizza guy pull up, and next thing you know, your pizza's gone. So anyway, that's my craft, Smart. craft macaroni and cheese story. Mike caught my eye. This came out of CNN. It's out of a cemetery in Iowa. And uh, a guy named Stephen Paul Owens had passed away. And uh, he had his headstone done. This was in, um, he, was, he was quite a uh, cantankerous old man, they said. And had a great sense of humor, would rile up, and was a little bit foul and used to swear quite a bit. And uh, so the family thought, as, uh, as he did when he died, that he wanted his tombstone to have kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod. So they said they did this text on his tombstone to uh, kind of as an ode to his dry humor and sometimes prickly attitude. Said he was a very fun-loving guy, but he was easily riled. And uh, usually if he told you to F off, it meant he liked you. If he didn't like you, he said he didn't <laughs> talk to you. Okay. Otherwise, he would tell you to, and I'll, I'll say <laughs> the actual word since we, he'll say fuck off. So when they put together his tombstone with his permission, uh, and you have to look at this because, and John uh, has it up on the screen if you're watching the video, the, uh, the tombstone reads, uh, forever in our hearts, until we meet again, cherish memories known as our father, brother, father, papa, uncle friend and cousin and so as it lines up the words spell out if you read them down fuck off <laughs> so, but you know here's something there's nothing bad being written on that no but you'd have to look now if you looked i, I went up tried to do close-up so the the um the u and until and the c and cherish it looks like they did some sort of old english script or something mm -hmm. so i mean i think you'd have to really look to to see that there but so some trustees of the cemetery found out about it. They're all wound up. So uh, 
they the they contacted the family and contacted the cemetery, the Camp Township trustees, and said that this cannot be installed because of profanity. But the Memorial Tombstone Company already made the headstone. They said we're placing it anyway. It was paid for, so they put the tombstone up. And uh, they said since then the trustees now have pushed to have the tombstone removed. A representative is uh, is is now gotten involved from the town, and they've got an attorney. And they're saying, we don't want it there, and it really needs to be removed. And But some people are saying this is a slippery slope. If you remove this, um, some say that they don't allow profanity anywhere in the cemetery. And if you allow this to remain, then other people are going to do a similar thing. And the family just simply said, our intention was not to offend, offend anyone. We just ask that you let us remember our father in the way we remember him and in the way he wanted to be remembered. And not take it personally because it has nothing to do with you. And um, I agree. I completely agree. So then they said it was offensive to the other stones around. But you'd have to, if you looked at it, unless somebody told you what that said, like if you really wanted to hunt. So I thought it was kind of funny and clever. And um, so I appreciated the. uh, I think think it's completely hilarious. Stephen Paul Owen's sense of humor. Keeping in the spirit of the guy, right? Yeah. Well, that's what they said. He was. He would, uh, he used swear words all the time. And they said it was a term of endearment and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was cantankerous, usually riled that, that, that. You know but, what, you know what? Seven months from now, no one's going to give a crap. No. So somehow they, they got, people got wind of the fact that they lined up the letters. And if you knew the, if you knew that right. you could figure out what it was and, oh my God, we can't have profanity. What profanity? The word is not even spelt out anywhere, right? No, no. Well, no, unless, you, unless you read it down, you know. So I think it's just ridiculous. And I love all the hand flapping oh, yeah. and, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We better get the, yeah. If we allow profanity of this sort, is, is, where do we draw the line? Wow. Are you well, going to have you, a tombstone? I'm going to be, well, I don't, I never even thought of it. You know that? I honestly never thought of it. I didn't either. I was wondering if you put something on it. Oh, God. But By the time, thinking. well, who knows what You overthink a lot of things, so this will give you something to do today. Yeah. <laughs> you... Okay, now, you, now I'm going to put that on my list. Doomstone, what am I going to say? I'm sure it'll be some sort of Star Trek thing, or, or science fiction thing. Uh, for reasons known only to me. Oh, that'd be a good one. Uh, you know what that means. Yeah. I, that might be a good one. That could be a very funny, like, throwback thing. Yeah. So. All right, folks. Uh, we're going to take a super quick break, and when we come back, we have our... Uh, business birthday the only show in the universe that does the business birthday and we have a shop talk about the importance of planning and taking vacation i think the second part is even more important than the first take vacation so stick around we'll be right back you're listening to the focus group with tim and john learn more at focusgroupradio.com Now, back to the focus group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Hey, welcome back to the focus group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend, co host, John T. Nash. Find out all about us at focusgroupradio.com, as well as our sponsors uh, listed there, and our TFG Unbuttoned, which is our 20 minute podcast, which is released every Tuesday. John, I just had something come across the wire, and I just screamed. I didn't read the full thing. But apparently Marjorie Taylor Greene, there's apparently a shortage of tampons. Did you know this? And she blames. She's blaming transgender people. Yeah. Yeah. Transgendered men. Yeah. (laughs) Why? 
I keep going back to what people in her state keep saying, like, do you she hasn't legislated one thing. She's basically just a firebrand. And you know that they they purposely voted her in because she's pugnacious and she she likes to be an ass. Right. Right. So she says the shortage is happening because they're now putting tampons in men's bathrooms. Because of trans men that need tampons and they, everybody's just shaking their head on this and saying it's really a supply chain issue. It's nothing to do with the <laughs> fact that there's trans men with a <laughs> tampon shortage. I just, that this is you, you, I, you know, I mean, I can't, I'm reading through this whole thing. She's saying people can't find tampons. People who yeah. menstruate can't find tampons. She's going on and on and on. It says she, she wants to know if they've checked uh, warehouses at the border. Because that's where all the baby formula is hidden out in stock, too. Apparently, she's upset about the border again. So, yeah, I just laughed when I saw that come across. I didn't want to. If anybody has any <laughs> any thoughts about why the Republic seems to be faltering <laughs> and we're not firing on all cylinders and we're not like sure. doing all these great, one of the wealthiest countries in the world we can't protect anyway, just look at her. Yeah. That, she's not a productive member of Congress. What is this? Just spitballing crap and seeing what sticks for the social media purposes? Well, it's almost, well, yeah. And it's almost as, well, you can't even make it up. That's what the strange part is. Because if you wanted to even just be funny like Borat or something, right? You couldn't yeah. even say something as absurd without being such a total moron. Unless it being but, a script line in a, in, a, in a movie like Blazing Saddles or, you know, like, I, I yeah. yeah. She, she is a, a punchline maker, right? Yeah. So. so speaking of punchline makers, we've got our business birthday today. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings. But the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. Today is June 29th, born today in 1975. Happy 47th to Ferris Antoon. He's a Syrian-Canadian pornographer and the co-owner and CEO of MindGeek, which is the world's largest pornography company. Runs a site such as YouTube, Pornhub, and RedTube. How many people do you think a day log into his sites? Individual logins a day. Pornhub in particular, they are so huge that they actually publish statistics days after like the Super Bowl or here's what people are searching for daily basis. How many people? If I said, why do I think 14 million? Well, you'd be very low. 28? Higher. 130. You'd be like Bar Bob Barker. 130. Did you Google it while we were on the phone? No, I didn't. So Google it. Yeah, no, it's 130 million visitors. A day, just to Pornhub. Wow. Worldwide, right? Uh, globally. Global, okay. Which, you know, I guess it's... And, and by the way, they did have a side note here. I didn't pull it up, but apparently uh, trans porn is most popular in the red states. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They had a sidebar, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Texas, uh, number one, followed by Mississippi, Louisiana. All the usual suspects. So he created the first porn site in early 2000. He, he uh, came from Syria to Canada, went to college at Corn uh, Concordia University, resident in Montreal. He got a degree in engineering, and he and four buddies started a website in 2000s, or in the early 2000s, and they called it Brazers, B-R-A-Z-Z-E-R-S, which specialized in MILF porn. That's older women attracted to, to young yeah. men, mothers I like. Um, his soon-to-be brother-in-law ended up... Um, managing the managing the company and then he he decided initially that um the brazers was also done because it um harkened back to what they felt was their middle eastern roots 
and brazers was some sort of a word or sounded uh, similar to brothers. Mm. I didn't quite understand uh, quite understand that. That was in 2005. He said the, their first website, they focused on busty women <laughs> because he said the big tit niche was cheap. Sounds like Jesse, what's the, yeah. who was the one the hustler guy, Larry, uh, Larry Flint, Larry Flint said, talks like him. He's a big tit niche was cheap. They realized that the milf niche of older women was even bigger than the big boob porn. So they became masters of the big boom, big tit milf niche was <laughs> what they were famous for. So he ended up selling, they sold the business for 140 million to a German businessman who ended up being, uh, uh, extradited under uh, tax evasion. So they bought the company back for 73 million euros. So for about half the value, renamed it or called it MindGeek, which they said for the uninitiated eye appears to be a run of the mill website that advertises a marketing company and boasts hundreds of millions of daily visitors and billions of impressions. They said the company glosses over the fact that the websites that they produce and make is really digital pornography. And it said, again, they own Pornhub, RedTube, YouPorn, a bunch of others. He, um, in 2016, there was a warrant executed and a cease and desist order on them. And uh, he was able to get out of that. However, last week, he uh, resigned from the company. And uh, they don't know why. There's lots of controversy. He and the COO, David Tassillo, both resigned from the company. New York Times had been, or the New Yorker magazine had done an expose on them said there's no reason behind the resignations. It's not been immediately clear, but it comes in the wake of an extensive article published last week in The New Yorker that documents an alarming issue that Pornhub was posting non-consensual content. And also, um, it was too easy for people to just upload anonymous content to the platform. There was also some that they felt involved minors in other um, illegal activity. So both of them have kind of disappeared. He also. Uh, in early April, uh, they think it was a um, an act of arson. His house burned down. <laughs> he had a nineteen okay. million dollar mansion. His house suddenly wow. burned down to the ground. So yeah, so it's a birthday, but I guess he's probably not celebrating a lot today. I um I had read. It's interesting. I had read about the two of them abruptly leaving Pornhub, and I did read about the fact that there was this expose that showcased or zeroed in on the fact that they were not doing due diligence on monitoring who could upload what. So that, you know, this anonymous thing would be if you had a hookup or sex with somebody and they happened to be recording it and right. you did not know it and they put the a clip of it up, that's without your consent, obviously. And imagine if that thing starts being seen by hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. It's a big problem, right? Yeah. Well, because of that, MasterCard and Visa also cut ties with them, which that's yeah, a big problem. Yeah, they certainly relied on on that. How would you even go about trying to confirm that the clip you were putting up was yours to put up? I mean, I could see where this would be a problem for a business like his, which would rely on this submission of all this stuff that if you put a, a wrench in that, like, oh, you, you got to prove, right? Well, they said they contacted MasterCard and Visa in response to them cutting, cutting them off and said that uh, they purged all non-verified content from their website and promised to only allow uploads from verified accounts. And then they said this move led to further criticism from sex workers who said their livelihood was under attack. But this was similar to issues where people talk about fake accounts on a lot of social media platforms, yep. right? Twitter, 
famously has so many either Russian bots or some sort of uh, fake content, as, as does Facebook. <laughs> so Facebook, please. How do you verify an account? I a guess a swamp you... and a swamp and a swamp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, our birthday today. Forty-seven years old, Ferris Antoon. You know, I listen. You may, people make money on this pornography job. They do, and but then it always risk... seems to be dirty. Yeah, and then they risk what's going on right now. Expose is going to come out. You have unverified content. House burns down. House burns down. Tax evasion. And the other exhibition. guy quit. There's a suitcase of money being flung across the border. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but then, yeah, that was his birthday. Popped up. I didn't know who he was. I never heard of his name. Okay. But uh, he popped up as our, as our business birthday. So the, um, our shop talk this week is a... Um, Story John had found about someone from Price, I believe it's Price Waterhouse Coopers. Yeah. And uh, it says, why this HR leader spends every January planning her vacations for the year. And it talks about so many, just in general, I'll, I'll say before we get into some of the actual um, responses from her or thoughts from her, was that so many people get um, either two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, plus some other paid off time, and they never use it. And I was famous for never using all of my vacation time. I think I had four weeks and I might use a week and take a day here and there, but generally I didn't use it. I know Richard never uses his. He's maxed out on his bank. And uh, you differently, though, because you worked for yourself. You were always working, right? Yeah. So you never really said, oh, I'm just going to shut everything off for two weeks and go away. But um, this HR talent strategy person at uh, Price Waterhouse, Kim Jones, so that she starts planning her vacations in January or planning her days off so that she has something to look forward to during when it's either a lot more stressful or busy that she can look forward to say, okay, but I've got this reward coming up of three days off or a week off. I'm going to take this trip and talked about the importance of taking your vacation days. What was your um, impression of that? Well, it, a couple things. First, uh, PricewaterhouseCooper uh, they made headlines a while ago by offering a $250 vacation bonus to employees who took 40 consecutive hours of vacation at a time, up to once per quarter, for a total possible bonus of 1000 year, a year as an incentive to take your vacation. Um, so Kim Jones, who is a talent, talent strategy and people experience leader, is a big proponent of people taking vacations, as Tim said. And one reason that they, that, and we'll go into a couple here, is, um, is that when you're not in the office, it gives others the opportunity to shine or to pick up and do things that you know they might not be doing because they're handling extra responsibilities, and that's not a bad thing. So she says here that, as Tim said, she starts her vacation thought process in January, and she sits down with a calendar, and she starts thinking about life events uh, in this case, she had a daughter who was graduating from NYU at some point last year, or maybe it was this year. Um, she looks at things that maybe I want to go here, maybe I want to do this this year, and she literally just blocks into the calendar a couple of weeks, that uh, three-day weekends or a week here or two weeks there, and that's how she starts her process. And then she says in the next one, uh, you have to be intentional or how to be intentional with your vacation time. What does she think about that? Well, because if her thought, and this goes right to the first one of, you know, plan early and then be intentional about it, because if you don't, next thing you know, four or five months have gone by and you're, you're yeah. always going to be busy. Busy is going to happen. And if you haven't planned something, you'll end up uh, getting in the mindset of, well, I guess I'll do it another time. And you end up not taking the time. So 
you have to be intentional about saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit down with my spreadsheet or look at the year, look what's happening, and then plan it and actually then take it. And then her next, um, you know, this is what I said earlier, how to recognize your col- how to recognize your colleagues for holding down the fort. And she said, I told my team I was so grateful for them for not interrupting me when she was on vacation, particularly this last one I mentioned at her daughter's graduation. It was a highly anticipated event. She's really busy from February to April. Her daughter's graduation was in May, and this was an important thing to her. It was a light at the end of the tunnel, but she was so thrilled to be able to do it, trust that things were getting done. And when she came back, it was like, hey, everybody did a great job, right? Right. And then... The final question that this uh, reporter asked her, what what she would tell the 25-year-old self (laughs) about taking time off. She said, taking a vacation is about you, but also those around you, so you can bring your best self to the team. It helps you stay energized, sharp, and focused, and come back to work even stronger. I would say, um, from my time at uh, the longest time I spent in, in corporate America at Subaru, I would say they were very culturally very well ahead of their time. And uh, because time off was your time off, you weren't expected uh, to be contacted and everybody knew you'd shut your phone off. And unless there was some sort of major, major emergency, which ever, I don't think there ever was, maybe once in my life. Oh, I can tell you an emergency that popped up where you had to interrupt yeah, somebody, C-suite. Yeah, and, but that was more weekend because it was also weekends. Don't interrupt me on the weekends and don't yeah. interrupt me on my vacation. The very first time I worked for one of the senior level guys. I remember he was taking time off around Christmas, Christmas holidays, Christmas and New Year's. And he just looked at me and he said, ah, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you in the new year. And if anything comes up, handle it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was his way of saying, you know, handle it because I'm off for two weeks and uh, that's that. Which I appreciated that as well, because as you said earlier here in this piece, it allowed me to have responsibility and also know that I was trusted to handle something if it had come up. And, um, and so I think it's a smart thing to do. But I, I always yell at people that I know that are in the corporate, uh, corporate arena that do not take their time. Does Bob take his time? Yes, he does. Yeah. Does he take He's it all? He's a big or, one for taking vacation, yeah. and he does take it all. And for me, um, having been freelance and business owner, I've discovered that the best vacation for me is a destination that's five hours out of my time zone. So it's either ahead of me or behind me. So if I go to Europe, I'm five hours ahead of what's ever happening here and I can't possibly solve a problem because by the time the problem comes up, half the day is gone. (laughs) And if I'm in California or Hawaii, which I only been to Hawaii once, but if I'm out West, again, it's already happened. And I'm reacting to it, you know. Well, that's smart because, yeah, if you were in Europe, it's... And days over. Right. Oh, I the last time I was in France when we, when I got my amazing bike ride up Mont Ventoux, we stayed at our friend's chateau in Provence, and I would get email because I had I had signed up for data on my phone, and I'd get some email in at like you know, uh, you ten know, o'clock at night. Yeah, and, and I'm like, it's it's uh, it's done. <laughs> it's over. It's a, it, I'm I'm ahead of you. Yeah. Do you have any summer summer vacation plans this year? No, and I know Bob you usually and I have family to, stuff, don't you? Well, we we have um, my mom, Bob's mom, and my mom are going to be reunited in a week or two. They're both going to be up at the house for a, a lunch, and that's going to be. In a, we're arranging that now, um, but we haven't taken a vacation in since lockdown, to be right. honest with you. And and the closest thing to that was a day trip to this fun Star Trek experience up in Fort Ticonderoga, where they recreated the 
sets of the original. I mean, I felt I was gone for a day or two, but it was only a day trip. Then our next biggest trip was to California to see our friends Alex and Tyler get married in San Diego. A lot of fun. It was a week off. It was a great week. And it was such a nice thing to not have responsibilities, you know, to to just wander. We, we made the trip up as we went along. Let's go to the beach. Let's go to the Del Coronado, famous hotel from Some Like It Hot, you know. Um, and we discovered a lot of fun things. And right. it was a great trip. But that had been planned for a while. So I sat down with Bob and said, we need to really plan a trip. And now we're in the throes of thinking about it. And he actually was like, oh, well, let's go down to Rehoboth. And I said, we could go to Rehoboth. I said, but we could also go somewhere five hours <laughs> out of the time zone. Where would you go five hours? You're not going to go to Vegas or too hot. Palm Springs. He was thinking of the Springs. Oh, that's interesting. I bet it's changed and, a lot. Yeah. And he was thinking, he said, if we rented a, an Airbnb out there, he goes, would, would Tim and Richard come out? I said, yeah, sure they would. If, if it had an infinity pool. Yeah. yeah if it had a pool. Yeah, it's got a pool. Man, and you, I think it's got to be Palm Springs proper. Yeah. It's you've, what? Always, you've always rented with a pool though. Well, the last time we did was out in Cat City and. Was there a pool? Oh, there was, but the pool filter caught on fire at one oh point. Oh my God. And the pool guy came to fix it and he fixed it. And he said, this thing, this guy, he won't replace this thing. I tell him, the, the, whoever the owner was. And then we were, then as he's skimming the pool, we're talking about <laughs> how there's going to be a drought. And, oh, I've been, I grew up in Palm Springs. Every, every year it's water. We're going to run out of water. But yeah, Bob would like somewhere where he could lay out in the sun. And, the, and I said, you know, honey, in August or September, it's still 100 degrees out in Palm Springs. Am I wrong about that? No, it's hot. Yeah. yeah. You'd probably want to go October-ish. And that's, yeah, actually, that could be a pretty cool time to go, huh? And then yeah. I said, if we did that, we could tie in one thing I'm dying to do was the last trip we took to Palm Springs and uh, in California or in Los Angeles, we had seen an exhibit that the uh, Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences had put on as a demonstration of the new museum they were building. It was this incredible costume exhibit. We loved it. We spent hours there. The museum's open now, the official museum, and I'm dying to see it. So Is that it in would be Los good... Angeles or where? Yeah, it's in Los Angeles. And I thought, you know, you go out for the springs and maybe you cut your sh your trip to like, you, you rent for like four or five days and you come to LA and you do some nice dinners and you do the museum and, and there's people we know there we could visit as well. So, you know, might not be bad. Yeah. They've had some hot, hot temperatures out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh. And you saw the pictures of Lake Mead lately? Oof. Yeah. It's sad. Nothing like the last time you and I were there. They had the water line was low, but it wasn't. Yeah, no, it's it's non-existent. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's a it's a it's a huge issue, of course. So. All right, so that that's so, folks. The capstone of that is take your vacation and enjoy it because it benefits not just you but your coworkers as well. And on that happy note, as a client of mine used to say, on that happy note, <laughs> we want to thank you for joining us today. Check out uh, TFG Unbuttoned on Tuesdays. You can also find all our media at focusgroupradio.com. You'll learn about Tim and I and our partners. And uh, you'll learn about Deep Discount, too. And we urge you to go there and start your uh, movie and book and game and anything you can imagine is over at Deep Discount. Go to our site, focusgroupradio.com, and click on the Deep Discount logo and start your shopping. And we will be hearing more from them later in the month. So everybody, as we like to say... Don't text and drive, arrive alive, and we will see you in the new week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. 
That was a stunning focus group.